right, and welcome back to the Dimers Basketball Podcast, Season 2, Episode 2, for those that are waiting and counting. You know, this is Episode 26 in total for us, Amir. Where did you see this podcast being whenever we started it? A year ago, when? Saturday was a year since we made it. So where did you think we were going to be at this podcast? Well, um, I didn't think we'd be here. I, I didn't think we'd still be talking to each other. Honestly, at this point, I, I thought we'd hate each other. Um, and, you know, we would just be doing doing things on our own. But luckily for us, we're still doing the podcast. And um, it's great time to do the podcast because there's a lot of news going on, Kev. I know you're excited. You've been talking Hold on a second. What? What do you mean you thought we would hate each other and wouldn't be talking to each other still? We're, you're just going to breeze past that? Well, here's what happened. So, one, you stopped playing Fortnite with me, which, again, we're supposed to be like Fortnite bros. I don't know what happened there. Um, second of all, you stopped watching Raider games with me. So, like, at this point, it's like, do we, should we even talk? Like, you know what I mean? Like, are we even friends anymore? I just, Fortnite's a dead game, dude, man. Pop, what can I say? All right, let's, let's just get on with the pod now that I'm, I'm missing the good times we used to have. All right, let's talk about it. NBA opening thing of the week. Amir, what are your thoughts? Any takeaways that you just think, like, geez, somebody's playing out of their mind? The team looks like complete toilet water. Is there anyone that pops out to you? We'll get to uh, a lot of the good teams, the bad teams, the surprise players, uh, the surprise teams and all that. But I did want to start off right away with the hottest teams. Because I think right now, if you look at it, th- there's some teams that are really looking sharp. And there's some teams that are standing out to at least me on the papers. Uh, and the first team that I will say, um, we'll start with the easy one, is the Golden State Warriors. Caleb, are you at all surprised with how good the Warriors have been? Because to me, I think I expected the Warriors to be better. Clay's coming back. Obviously, Clay hasn't played yet. But with the Warriors kind of upgrading the roster, had killed it in the draft, uh, getting Kaminga and Moody. I thought they did a good job in free agency. Picked up Otto Porter Jr. Um, Wiseman still hasn't played, but you still have him. They picked up Demania Bielitsa, who I think is a good fit for them. Um, and I think their overall depth is a lot better than what it was last year. But I am still a little bit surprised to see them 3-0. What about you? Did you expect them to start off this hot? No. And and you have to give credit to the best shooter ever, which kind of feels like you're underselling Stephen Curry a little I bit. I mean, Nemanja Bielic is good. He's not that good. Okay, I'm talking about Steph. Feels like you're selling him a little bit short, you know. You got to think, hey, he's more than just the best shooter ever at this point in his career. At least I think so. But – do I did I expect them to start out like this? No, not at all. I you know I thought they'd start out. I mean, if they did go three now, like close wins, you know what I mean. But they are just playing out of their mind right now. Like it's a lot of players are playing good. Like Andrew Wiggins is making a lot of impact. And you know, don't think he'll ever reach what people expected whenever he was drafted. But I do think you got to give him credit for still being a decent NBA player. Like people like to think because he didn't reach what he was projected to be that he now sucks, and he doesn't. Playing good in, in Golden State. I do like the pickup of Otto Porter Jr. That was a guy I was really hoping the Celtics could get in on, get in on in free agency, but didn't happen. Landed there, who I think is a good fit there. I like a lot of what they did. Clay didn't even come back yet, and I cannot wait for Clay to come back, dude. I've I've missed watching Clay play basketball. Like I really have. And when he can, like, but like you said, there's a lot of impact players that just aren't playing for them yet, and they're still winning. It's very impressive. Yeah, one player that's been really impressive that I think a lot of people were expecting to be good was Jordan Poole. He's played really well under that role of kind of being that second guy next to Steph that 
doesn't necessarily need to be the main guy, but he can be a spark uh, just scoring wise. So exciting to see the Warriors are three and zero for the first time since 2015. And I think we all remember what happened in 2015. I don't think that's going to happen again, but I'm excited to see what, what's going to happen when Clay comes back still a ways away. Um, and again, we're still early in the season, but the Warriors have looked sharp. Another team that's looked really sharp, Caleb, that's really shocked me is the Charlotte Hornets. LaMelo Ball, he's been playing out of his mind. They look a lot better. One player that I will say has looked like he's taken a big jump is Miles Bridges. Miles Bridges has kind of taken that role of being their number one scorer. Um, and they have a lot of depth. I, I like what Charlotte's done with their roster. You got P.J. Washington come off the bench. I was able to catch a little bit of their, their first game against Indiana. Um, and, and I just thought they played well. They stuck with it. They went on a 22 to one run at one point in the game. And, and a lot of that was LaMelo ball kind of pushing them, making the right moves, making the right passes. That's an exciting team. Can this keep up? I don't know. Where do you stand on that? Do you think this will keep up? Do you think it's just too much of like a, like a flaming hot start that's going to trickle down or, or where did, where does, Charlotte really go from here because you can't have these expectations, you know, after not making the playoffs last year to mm -hmm. automatically be like, oh, we're one of the elite teams in the East. I don't think that they're an elite team simply because I don't want to put my sock into Miles Bridges just yet. He has started out on fire, but like we have his whole career to look at that says he's not going to keep this up. But maybe this is that year three, year four leap that young wings, you know, and they experience. If it is, cool. But either way, like, even if this is just a flaming hot start, they fizzle out. I think it's safe to say it's a very fun time to be a Charlotte Hornets fan. This is a very encouraging start for a team that, franchise speaking, never started 3-0. Never. So, enjoy it. You know what I mean? If you're a Hornets fan, enjoy it. And if you're trying to take away from the Hornets for a good start, that's corny. You know what I mean? Like, they're a young team. Lamella is one of my favorite players to watch. Like, he is... He's that level of like young point guard that just enjoyable to watch. And it is because he's a tall point guard. I'm not going to lie. We know how I feel about tall point guards. You put a tall yeah, point yeah. guard in front of me, I get hype. But and something good. Miles Bridges is averaging 25 back-to-back 30-point -back games. Like he looks good. Regardless of if it's a like a flashy hot start or they can keep it up, beyond me. But like I said, very fun time to be a Hornets fan. Enjoy it. Take it, you know what I mean? Take it and enjoy it. Yeah, I think they can enjoy a few things. One of the things that they can enjoy right now is Miles Bridges winning player of the week. Uh, I, I think that's a little bit surprising, especially in the first week. You usually see those stars winning it. Mm -hmm. But but Miles Bridges has played really well, and, and he's been deserving of it. So I'm excited to see what the Hornets do. Again, it's still early, but they look like they're on a different trajectory. Another team also on a different trajectory. Yes, Caleb. My hand was my hand was rose because I want to ask you this question. Do you think Charlotte saying that they're not going to extend him before his rookie contract expires? Do you think that that might have lit a fire under Miles Bridges to come out and just go off? Now, Charlotte obviously can still retain him because he'll have the right to match any contract he signs. But do you think that kind of woke him up and said, all right, they don't believe in me. I'm going to go out there, put up some wild numbers, go all out this season to be able to get that contract. Because it's not that I think he wants to leave Charlotte or anything. You know what I mean? Like, I think this year's a really good foundational season for the Hornets to kind of show people they can reach that next level. And then next year, just skyrocket. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think you're right on that. Um, I look at a team like the Hornets and I think that they thought that let's just wait and see with, with a guy like Miles Bridges because they weren't winning yet. 
and, and a lot of those steps weren't taken from Miles Bridges yet. But it, it happens a lot with players. You see them go one way or the other. When a player doesn't get paid, they can either play extremely well and be like, you know what? I'm proving everybody wrong, and I'm going to go get my max money. Or, Isn't this exactly what happened with John Collins last year with Atlanta? Like, they weren't winning. They said, we're going to hold out, just wait. And then in the offseason, it was like the Spurs are going to offer this big contract. Then the Hornet, then the Hawks were like, ah, we'll just pay him right now. You know what I mean? Before you could get assigned that. It's pretty much the exact same thing. Yeah. And and that's that's a good point because when you have a guy like Miles Bridges, it's not really a franchise player, so to speak, but it's more of a guy like, hey, he can drop 25 on any given night. Um, and, and you don't want to let a guy like that just go. But at the same time, it's like, if I'm paying a franchise player, do I want to uh, – or if I'm paying somebody max money, right, should he be my franchise player? And usually the question is yes. Now, we see it now with contracts all over the NBA, and we'll get to that later with certain contracts. A player's making max money and maybe not living up to that level. So uh, I, I do want to see what the Hornets do with that. It'll be interesting to see how they, they finish off early on in the season, how they get over the, 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 the hurdles of losing games and, and going through those losing streaks. So I am excited to see that. Same as well with the Chicago Bulls. That's our third hottest team. They've been flaming hot too, Caleb. And we saw it this summer, picking up DeMar DeRozan. <laughs> then you get Alex Caruso. You get Lonzo Ball. They have a good team. Like, let's be honest. They have a solid team. They got Zach Levine already there. Kobe White, I'm not sure if he's hurt or what's going on with him. He doesn't even get minutes, and they're that deep. So it is exciting. Obviously, they, they got Vooch last year. Uh, big part, can you can you pronounce it for us real quick? Vucevich. But, yeah, you got Nikola Vucevic there. You got Zach Levine. You got DeRozan. You got Lonzo. You got a lot of star power. Can this keep up, Caleb? Is Chicago going to be that that surprising team in the East that's going to finish in the top four seed and, and is going to make a playoff run? Or are we going to start to seeing those, those drop-off levels where it's like you have a lot of good guys, but how many of those players are truly winning players? You know, you got DeMar DeRozan's history. You got Zach Levine that hasn't won. You got Vucevic that hasn't won. There's a lot of question marks with that team. Do you see those same question marks? Where, where are you on the Chicago Bulls? I think I'm higher than most. I think a lot of people were like, oh, their spacing is going to suck. But I never understood that argument, to be honest with you. I like what they did in free agency. I like the acquisition of DeMar DeRozan because I think DeRozan has, you know, it reached a certain point where he was getting sunned so bad by LeBron in this series that people kind of forgot that DeRozan's a really good player, right? Like a great wing playmaker. Like he's not a bad player. He doesn't shoot, right? He stays true to his game, which is just mid-range stuff. That's fine. Like if that's see, my thing is if a player is elite at a certain thing, don't try to push him away from that to fit like a certain mold of the NBA. Try to build with it. You know what I mean? Levine looks great. Vucevic, look, I watched a lot of Orlando Magic games over the years for, for no particular reason other than I used to go to Orlando like once a year. I liked him in Orlando. He was good. And I kind of wanted the Celtics to get in on it, but the Celtics were in a tricky situation. So Chicago lands him. I think that the Bulls are kind of, and this is going to sound very dumb, Bulls are kind of reminiscent of the 2008 Celtics, only for this reason. You have guys that didn't win by themselves, right? They're coming together now, and it's kind of like that thing where, like, hey, let's kind of let's sacrifice a little bit from each of our games and kind of go for it. Lonzo coming in, Lonzo was made fun of so bad because of his dad. 
for no for no real reason because he's a good basketball player. Now Alonzo goes there, has a triple double the other night. They look good. They look good. And Alex Caruso is much more than a mean player. Okay, like we make jokes about the Lakers players, but Caruso is a very impactful player and coming off the bench, that's really good. I like what they have. I like their team. I do like their team too. I think you're right on a lot of those points. You hit on a lot of it. Um, I am interested to see though, what is really going to be those finishing lineups. So for example, let's say they're, they're in a playoff game or let's say they're, they're fighting for a playoff seed and they got a big game coming up in that fourth quarter. Who do you go to? Because DeRozan is an ISO player because Zach Levine is an ISO player. And obviously you have, Lonzo that that's more of a creator but it, it is like who do you go to you got Vooch you got Levine and I know this is this is a smaller version of that I remember the Miami Heat days who do you go to LeBron Wade or Bosch yeah, yeah. uh and and I think a lot of people overthought that that never really happens mm-hmm. and, and the players it, it just depends on who's available but it does matter when the fourth quarter when it's like who are you going to really go to consistently and how can you keep those players happy do you see that being a problem in Chicago, especially early on, knowing the fact that you have three guys that need the ball to score? Um, or, or do you think that, that those problems will be solved sooner than later? I don't think they're going to run into that because their head coach had to deal with something similar in Oklahoma City with Westbrook or Durant. You know what I mean? Like he's had that point. thing. So now he learned off of experience, like, hey, try to set up a pecking order early and run with it. But I think that the players are at that age where they're not going to fight over who gets the last shot. You know what I mean? Like they're going to understand, Hey, it's his night. I'm going to let him go for it. Similarly Celtics, right? First game of the year for the Celtics, Jason Tatum takes the last shot in a game where Jalen Brown has 45 and counting. That won't happen with the bulls. I don't think, because I think the bulls will understand like, Hey, this guy is on, let him take the shot. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think they're going to fight over the last shot. I think they're at that age where in their careers where, Hey, Who's on is, is who's on, and we're going to get and ride with him. You bring up a good point. I feel like all three of those guys, when it, whether it's Vucevic, whether it's Levine, whether it's DeRozan, and I would even throw in Lonzo. All four yeah. of them had faced some type of adversity, whether it's Lonzo with the Pelicans, and he, you know, the Pelicans don't treat him well. DeRozan, we saw what happened in Toronto and then in San Antonio that first year. Um, Levine these past few years. Vucevic in Orlando. They've all gotten disrespected in some aspect, right? So – I will say that is going to be a good point. I do think we're going to see them all kind of take that that step down and be like, you know what, I'm going to let the next person step up. Um, and, and Chicago has yet to disappoint me this year. They're three and zero. They're they're on fire, but there has been some disappointing teams. Caleb, who is your biggest disappointment team this year? Lakers, Lakers by far because you have LeBron, right? LeBron doesn't typically get off to super slow starts like we have seen this year. Not him specifically, but his teams, right? Like, the Lakers don't look good. Last night, they used Russell Westbrook as a screener and a pick and roll because he's that awkward of a fit out there with LeBron. Now, granted, it worked, but it's a clunky fit. Like, it's a, I knew it was going to be a clunky fit, but I didn't expect it to be like this. So, we're like, you have him playing point center, basically, or center point. I don't know how you want to call that, but. I don't know, man. That they look bad, and Melo looks Melo looks rejuvenated, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't know, man. They don't they don't look like I don't feel confident when I'm watching. Like, oh yeah, like if I'm betting on a parlay, right? I don't feel comfortable just saying, oh yeah, that's an easy Lakers win. You know what I mean? And typically, for LeBron's teams, you felt some sort of confidence when you bet. But 
I don't know, man. Just not this year. Did you expect this version of Russell Westbrook? Because when I watched their first game, I was like, okay, Westbrook doesn't look like a great fit. We knew that already. Yeah. But what, what I saw a lot of, especially in that second half, was Westbrook was completely deferring to his teammates and just standing on the wing, standing on the corner, um, making that extra pass, and, and not in a sense of being unselfish, but it was more of being too unselfish to the point where he's like, I don't Curry. want to be blamed for this. You know, I don't want to have LA media on my case for the way we play. So I'm just going to start deferring since I'm not hitting my shots. Did you see Westbrook being this, I would say, passive this early on? Because we know a guy like Russell Westbrook. He's not passive. He is one of the more alpha players in the league. Yeah. But, I mean, it's tough being on this Lakers team. And even Frank Vogel came out, uh, I want to say, a few days ago, and he said – Russell Westbrook needs to learn how to fit in with us. He's a new player. Uh, he's got to figure it out. So, and a lot of Laker fans are saying, you know what, Frank Vogel's got to figure this out because you got a guy like Russ and you're having him do things that he shouldn't be doing. You're having him sit on the perimeter. You're having him not bring the ball up. And these are things that goes against what he's good at, similar to what happened in Houston and why he didn't work out in Houston. So, I'm a shocked from what I'm seeing as far as Russ. Are you at, at all any bit shocked? A little bit, because like you said, his whole career he's been an alpha player, right? He turns 33 in like, I don't know, two weeks. To be able just to say, you know what, I'm going to completely remake my game and turn into a completely different player at 33 is wild. Because you know for a fact that Lakers didn't pick him up thinking, oh yeah, he's going to defer to AD and LeBron like he's a fifth like a fifth on the pegging order right he looks like he's just like hey i'm not getting blamed for this i'm gonna pass i'm gonna gonna turn into a different player that the media would like more but the problem is russ's entire career is kind of built on things that the media doesn't like you know what i mean like the ball dominant like he's gonna get his like that's the type of player he is and now trying to change your entire game at 33 I don't like that. I don't like that at all. I kind of thought he'd come in and I kind of, honestly, I thought Anthony Davis would be the one that kind of took a backseat a little bit, not saying that he would fall off completely, but I thought, cause no offense to Anthony Davis, he doesn't strike me as that alpha player, right? What he did he even get out of the first, yeah, he got out of the first round one time in New Orleans, one right? Time. I mean, you brought up a good point though, as far as alpha and sorry to interrupt. The only reason why I wanted to bring that up is because we're talking about alpha Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard got into it on the bench, but they got into it and and it was not good. It did not look like a good look. You had Russell Westbrook, Rondo, LeBron. They were all like eight. There's a lot of characters on that team. Mm -hmm. And and they were, I think what I was surprised to see was, and, and I don't know if any of this had to do with the top 75 list, which we'll get into later real quick, but I wonder, and this might sound crazy, but I wonder if that frustration from Dwight was building up because Dwight was one of those snubs. Um, and he's tired of AD getting that preferential, that special treatment. And maybe he just laid it into to Anthony Davis. And AD was not stepping down. He, th- neither of them were really going, they were both going at each other. And I would say that's very concerning this early on in the season. You don't see that. So you're right. It is a lot of, of, of those personalities. Um, but I will say I am a little bit surprised that Anthony Davis is getting to the point where he's getting this frustrated, right? Cause it's 
only game three and you're already fighting with your teammate, it's not a good look. To me, that's, yeah, that's a horrible look. Magic Johnson said it best on Twitter. He said, "There's what did he say? There's trouble in Lakerland or something like." He all said, right, "All the years that I've played, I have never seen uh, a fight like that." I'm gonna call bullshit on Magic saying that because he played in the Bad Boy Pissing era. Like there had to be some fights in the locker room, and you know the Dwight and AD fight. I think it happens more often than we think in the NBA. It's just weird to see it that magnitude this early in the season, right? Like. You kind of don't want to see that between your stars. Well, your your star and a role player because Dwight's not there anymore. Well, you don't want to see that from your star in any but, yeah in any capacity in yeah, any capacity. Know. And speaking of something you don't want to see from your star, what's going on in Brooklyn, Caleb? The Nets are not looking good. A lot of fans are not happy with what they're seeing in James Harden yeah. right now. Much more than that, because they had like anti-vaxxers outside of the arena chanting "Lick Kyrie play," and that's an issue. Like that's a whole different thing. Me and you agreed last last time we recorded that hey, Kyrie has a right to do what he wants. We don't whether you agree with it or not. He does have a right to himself. Now it's affecting the point where you have extra security outside of Nets games because people are literally chanting and trying to break in, yelling "Lick Kyrie play." And, That's and a big you bring issue. that in, you bring that up, and, and I might be in jest, but I will say this. With those people being there, you can call it whatever you want. Everyone wants to laugh at it on Twitter, whatever, whatever. But at some point, does that not become a distraction for the Nets? Like, I know everybody wants to act like, yeah, well, there's people outside, whatever, whatever, anti-vaxxers. That still affects your team because yeah. the whole Kyrie situation is still going on. Kyrie's still not there. He's still taking up 30 plus million. And I saw some Brooklyn fans were saying, you either got to trade him or you got to make like, tell him he's got to get back. Because yeah. at this point, that's $30 million on the cap. That's, that's yeah. just being wasted. Yeah. And, and like everybody says, well, he has a right to his choice. So does his employer, right? The Brooklyn Nets come out and say, get vaccinated or we're trading you. It's that simple. Because at a certain point, that's $30 million that you could spend elsewhere but you're losing it because he doesn't want to play. And you know who's benefiting from it? James Harden, because he's playing horrible out there, right? He's not doing any any help on the court. What, Brooklyn's one and two? And James Harden is averaging three free throws a game through three games. That's nine total free throws. He averaged like eight a game all last year. Oh, like the past five years, he's averaged eight a game. It's He's not playing normal, and we get it. The calls aren't coming his way. They're cutting back on those calls, right? But it's not even that. He's not playing anything like his old self. Like, he looks very uncomfortable out there. Averaging the rebounds, averaging the assists, right? Eight rebounds, eight assists. The scoring is not there. He's averaging 18. Yes, free throws cut back, but he does not look at the, He doesn't look himself out there. He doesn't. I don't think he looks like himself at all. A lot of that might have to do with, as you mentioned, the whole rule change, and we'll get into that later. But – when I look at a guy like James Harden and I look at a guy like Kevin Durant, I said it last week on the podcast. I don't care if Kyrie's not there. That's two of what the top 10 greatest players in the world. That team should be a championship contender. And the way they've played the chemistry that they've lacked early on in the season, it's definitely been an alarming sound. Um, I won't sit here and say I'm jumping off the nets making it to the finals prediction yet, but it is something to keep note of. I, I would say right now, the whole rule change has affected James Harden's game. And if he can't adjust, 
we're going to see a very struggling Brooklyn Nets team. And who knows? We all talked about it last year. And I have a whole two-year thing where I say every team needs two years in order for them to get good, whether that's a new coach, whether you're bringing on a new star player. We saw it with the Miami Heat. We've seen it with uh, the San Antonio Spurs. We've seen it with the Celtics. We saw it with the Lakers. It happens all the time. But what is surprising to me is the fact that they've gone from here in the playoffs and now they just look all out of sorts. And that's how somebody bring this up. Maybe Kyrie was the glue that kept them together. That could have been the thing. And, and we, we really don't know. I think we won't know until this off season, this next off season, yeah. what type of impact Kyrie had. But I will say, I would love to see a 30 for 30 on what the hell is going on in that Nets locker room. Cause imagine this, Caleb, if you're Kevin Durant, how do you feel right now? You did, you left Steph Curry. You left the Warriors. You went to Brooklyn with Kyrie. You talked to Kyrie. And all of a sudden, you're left once again on your own because Kyrie has uh, some beliefs or whatever the case may be. And now you're on your own. How do you feel if you're Kevin Durant? Sick to my stomach because you see what Steph's doing in Golden State right now and think like, man. You know, if he doesn't leave, they're sitting on it. Like, they were already a dynasty, but if he doesn't leave and resigns there, oh, my God, that that is – that's a team that runs – that's like Bill Russell's Celtics level of dominance they would be on. Like, unheard of, unprecedented levels. And, you know, to go from that to a guy who literally won't play because he doesn't want to get vaccinated, it sucks. And then you look to your, you look to your right and you see, a, like, a fat guy who's on an Antoine Walker career arc in terms of weight, and he's gaining weight and he's not oh, good. Oh, no. We know I have a personal vendetta against Antoine Walker. Uh, you know what, Dimers fans, we're not doing this, okay? Caleb has this agenda against No, Antoine. not an agenda. I hate Antoine Walker because he's scamming of $60 in November of 2019. It's almost been two years. Where is my damn book, Antoine? He never wrote the book. Get over it. You saw on Twitter. You saw the people saying, can we please have our book? You know how sad they have to be? That's you. That's literally you right now. You're mentioning him on your podcast. You're giving him clout, and he won't even come on the podcast. Do you think Antoine Walker would come on the podcast? If we ever got him on here, first question I'm asking is, Antoine, where's my damn book? Okay, well, I guess if you don't have the shortest interview in, in any history of <laughs> interviews, then yeah, go ahead. That, that will be certainly, you're talking about a disappointing teams. That'll be a disappointing interview. But It'd also be a surprise because I don't think Anton Walker would ever come. Speaking of surprises, though, let's go to our surprise players, Caleb. Who do you have as your surprise player of opening week? You know, I'm getting a sound like a broken record. We know that he is – we know that me and him are good friends. We know Amir got him to shout me out at NBA Summer League. I'm going to go with Grant Williams, turning into the best shooter in the NBA. Well, second best to Seth Curry. He's shooting so, 69. Second best to Harrison Barnes. No. Grant Williams is shooting 69% from deep, okay? Nice. He yeah, Very nice. He is out of nowhere turned into something. I, and I texted the group chat earlier this morning, and I said, you know, have you ever felt the pain of everybody laughing at you for supporting somebody and then him actually turning out to be back and then you being able to laugh at them? That's how I felt because so many people said, Grant's done. He's not an NBA player. And then Grant says, you know what? I'm going to go out there. I'm going to show off. And he says, I'm going to turn into a great shooter. But Grant's been good. Um, another Celtic that I thought has been very good is Al Horford. Um, 
didn't think he was washed like a mirror. Okay, but but hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I know, I know. But hold on. Al Horford, he's been playing out of his mind, right? Defensively, this is his best rim-protecting season I've ever seen in my life. He's, he's blocked five shots against Toronto, I think three last night against Houston. He's out tonight against Charlotte because, well, he's hurt. But um, because that's Celtics luck. But as far as non-Celtics go, I'm gonna go ahead and throw out a rookie. I know this isn't the rookie roundup. Chris Duarte has been in fuego right now because he is unbelievable. Older guy taken by Indiana. People say older guys shouldn't be drafted as high as he did. He looks like an NBA veteran, right? Yeah, he looks like an NBA veteran. He looks very comfortable out there. He hit one deep three against Miami where he just basically called off and called for an ISO by himself and just took the deepest three I think I've seen a pacer take since Paul George was there, and he knocks it down and gets nothing. I've enjoyed watching him. Amir, give me three surprising players for you. All right. I'm going to start off with our guy on the Hornets. I, I mentioned him earlier, Miles Bridges. Again, Miles Bridges is not going to get too much into it. Player of the week this week of the East. Um, I, I think he's been the, the main guy right there in, in Charlotte. That's that's simple as that. Can't go much further than that. He's the biggest reason why they're 3-0. and It's not too complicated. There's nothing too crazy about it. Miles Bridges has surprised me, and I, I would say he surprised a lot of people. I don't think anyone expected. I actually did a fantasy draft, and he was my second-to-last pick in the draft. So, again, shows that – well, yeah, shows my IQ. Well, that's that's for another story, but – also shows the fact that how late of a pick he was shows that people did not expect him to be this good, you know? So I am surprised by that. Um, another player I'm also surprised by is John Morant. Now this player is not really surprising in the aspect of, Oh, you know, I'm surprised to see job ja play this good and, and him be a star. No, we all knew John Morant is who he is. We saw it in the playoffs last year. Yeah. We saw it last year in the regular season, but the jump he has made to start off the season right now he's averaging 36 points per game i get that it's not going to hold on and it's only been three games still doesn't make it any less rewarding or, or any less good the fact that he's doing this well and the grizzlies look good he's doing a lot of of the carrying of the load but i am very impressed with john moran he's looking like one of those top point guards in the league caleb what's going on back there my cat is laying like the weirdest possible angle. Hold on. I want to bring up one more surprising player. I know we're not talking about our team. You already yelled at me once for bringing up Celtics. I want to talk about Harrison Barnes. Looks like an MVP candidate one week into the season. Now, I know it's one week into the season, but if he did this in Golden State, then, again, this is another thing. They probably don't go after Kevin Durant. If he plays like he's playing right now, they probably say, we don't need Kevin Durant. And then it just changes the course of history. Because he looks, he looks like he – and it's, I, I know it's too early to say this, but he looks like he figured it out. Like, he looks like he figured out how to be an NBA star. Yeah, Luke said it himself. He said last game, he said, I want Harrison to shoot more. I challenge him to shoot eight threes a game. We push him to take more shots in the game. We don't think he's aggressive enough. And I will say that that's one thing about Harrison is he has games where he has 22, 24, 28, and then he'll have games where he has five, eight, 11. And those gaps of games just completely throw it off but yeah that's a good one I like Harrison Barnes I think he's played well um and, and I'm not surprised with how well he's played but I will say I didn't expect him to do this this consistently another player that I actually texted Caleb and said you know what guys forget Jordan Clarkson sorry Jazz fans you can hate me again I really could care less 
I don't think Jordan Clarkson's winning six man of the year. I texted Caleb uh, game one before the game even started because I was like, you know what? I forgot that this guy's even coming off the bench. And my guy is Tyler Hero. I really like Tyler Hero. Surprising player for sure. He has had some big games to lead up to the season. And I will say he's looked good in his new role in Miami. I know he's been off the bench now for two years, but I will say he, I think he's found his niche off the bench. He, that might be his role. You know what I mean? Might just yeah. be a thing where he's a guy who looks more better off the bench. And then he could turn in like a J.R. Smith role whenever he gets older. You know what I mean? Like transition to that fifth starter. But it looks like his comfort level is 100% off the bench. Yep. And, and it's not surprising to me that Eric's supposed to figure that out. That's one of those things where it's like you would not expect anything less from Spolster, especially last year when Tyler Hill had a disappointing year. And again, speaking of disappointing year, there's been some disappointing players to start off. Give I have one more. Oh, you have another yeah, one? One more excited, one more surprise player. And this is a surprise stat line because I think the first two games he didn't do anything crazy. But last night against the Knicks, Cole Anthony had 29 points and eight assists. And you say, okay, it's pretty solid, right? For a second guy. He had 16 rebounds as well. Nobody knows how he had 16 rebounds. But 29, 16, and eight, that's my stat line of the week if I had to give one out. No, that's not a segment. But it's award. It's an award I'm giving out once a month, maybe. Stat line of the week goes to Cole Anthony. Well, you brought up a good thing. I, I like that stat line of the week, and I actually have my own stat line Ooh, of the week. Oh, see, we're good. And it goes to a certain player named Davion Mitchell. Ooh. Here's my stat: Dame Lillard, C.J. McCollum, Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, and Jordan Clarkson were all defended by Davion Mitchell at some point. Seventy-five total possessions, Caleb. Out of 75 possessions, they scored a total of 20 points combined. They shot seven for 27 from the field, which is 25%, three for 10 from three, four assists, and three turnovers. So you're talking about a guy that has absolutely looked better than what people would have thought before the draft. So I am excited for what I see. And I will get into Davion Mitchell when we get to our rookie roundup. Um, but I do want to get to those of us who have been disappointed in certain players just from the opening week. Nothing too crazy. I know it's still early, Caleb, but name me one player. Give me one guy right now that you're looking at and you're like, man, I thought he would be a lot better than he was. Or maybe it's just a guy that you're like, he has not looked good at all. Who Who is your first guy? We talked about him earlier, but I'm going to keep harping on James Harden. I expected a lot more. I expected in Kyrie's absence for him to take that leap back to what he was in Houston. And that just hasn't happened. It's disappointing to see that, um, especially whenever you expect more. And I just think that he has a ways to go to make up for it. You know what I mean? Like Nets need him to step up and it looks like he's complacent being this pass first wing that just wants to shoot. And that's not his game. Yeah. I will say the biggest adjustment he's making right now is the whole referee is not calling as much now a lot of that also has to do with how much did James Harden really expect to kind of carry that role of being a primary scorer this year one thing I will say about James Harden is he tends to start off the year not good like last year with the Houston I know yeah. that whole situation where didn't want to be there wanted to get traded wanted to go to the Nets ended up getting his wish but we saw he looked like he was eating cheeseburgers on the side after yeah. that so 
again, we saw that again this year. He looked kind of out of shape. And to me, I just look at a guy like James Harden, and I'm like, he could easily turn that switch on. But, yes, 100%. I'm just – I've not been any bit impressed by him. Another guy that you mentioned, we mentioned earlier, Russell Westbrook. Um, again, a lot of the same stuff. Russ does not look good in that role. And I think a lot of that has to do with Frank Vogel not putting him in a position to succeed. Um, we saw it. We saw it last year. Look how well Russ played with the Wizards. You know, he, he was that guy, that primary guy. He was bringing the ball up. Beal was letting him do his thing at times. And we saw that MVP candidate, Russell Westbrook, all over again. But now when you put him next to AD and Braun, it's kind of like, well, where is my role? Where do I fit? I'm not a shooter, but LeBron doesn't really shoot threes. And, and if he does, it's more on occasion. And AD likes to step out. But at the same time, AD likes to kind of be more of an ISO player too. So it, it's difficult with Russ right now. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know where the Lakers go from here. I don't know if Russ is going to end up being a disappointing player of the year. I could easily see him being on that list. So Again, not really impressed with what he's been doing. Russ has been disappointing, but I also say another guy that's been disappointing is Dame Dalla, Dame Lillard. This Caleb reminds me a lot of James Harden last year. I just mentioned him. Do you see Damian Lillard kind of just half-assing it out there? Do you see him not having his heart really in it and him just wanting to be out? Or do you think that this is just a weird adjustment with Chauncey Billups and Terry Stotts is not there, so they're not running those sets that they used to that would work so effectively. Um, because now it, those sets are really not working. Uh, or is it just a mix of both? I think it's a mix of both. Because the Celtics are going to do a similar thing with Jason Tatum, right? They're accumulating to a new coach, new system getting implemented. Um, I mean, I, I haven't paid attention to Chauncey's post-game interviews or anything, but like last night after last night after the Celtics game. MA said that I had to realize in the first quarter that, hey, I never did what Jason could do, so I got to let him be himself. Now, kind of a similar thing with Chauncey and Dame. Like, Dame, I, Dame in my opinion, is a better player than Chauncey Billups. Sue me if you want. I just, I'm not a big Chauncey Billups guy. Um, you know, kind of have to get used, and they have a different play style. So you kind of have to get used to what he does, right? And it's, I think it's a, a learning curve for these new coaches. So I, I don't really put blame on, the player as much as I do the coach, but even then, like the coach, I don't really put too much blame on him. He's still trying to figure it out too. I mean, Chauncey's bad because he doesn't even know where to put his hands. He doesn't know where to stand. He doesn't know when to sit. It's a learning curve out there, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't want to put too much blame on, on anyone in that situation. Kind of just a slow start figuring everything out. Yeah. I'm sure we'll get into Dame and what his whole situation is going to be. Cause we don't know if Dame's going to stick it out this whole year with the whole way Chauncey of not knowing what he's doing out there. And the Blazers' biggest pickup, Dame said, hey, I need help. Please give me more help. Please, Caleb. And guess what Portland is like? Yeah, yeah. You know what? I got you, Dame. You know what? Hey, hey, Cody Zeller, come over here. Dame. Yeah, they got Larry Nance Jr. too. And Larry Nance Jr., you brought him up. Good point. What have you noticed from Larry Nance Jr. this year? Exactly. Nothing. He hasn't done anything. He's been missing on the court. He's been a guy that a lot of people thought, oh, he'd be that much of an upgrade, not that much of an upgrade. So you look at a team like Portland, I, I, I'm disappointed in what I'm seeing from Dame. Um, 
And, and I would love to see them actually try to do something different and make some type of splash of a trade. But it's difficult when you don't have much assets to give up outside yeah. of Dame and CJ. So, Caleb, speaking of good players, speaking of assets, uh, we talk about rookies all the time on our podcast. We like to talk about these young and upcoming players. Let's go to our rookie roundup. And I want to mention a few guys that – We've been surprised by maybe a few guys. I know you mentioned Chris Duarte earlier. I mentioned Davion Mitchell earlier. Let's go to some guys that we haven't talked about. Is there a certain guy that you have seen that stood out to you? Evan Mobley. Because remember pre-draft, me, you, and our good friend Drew, a.k.a. local guy, we all said that, hey, you know, we like Evan Mobley, but he kind of has like a high high bust. Like he, he could – he has a very good chance he could be a bust. And – we were like, hey, we like his tools and his physical attributes and everything, but we have to recognize that this is a big risk here. Like, he could very well be a bust. Through the first week of the season, he looks like he's one of the top three rookies. So, congrats to Evan Mobley. I think he's been a joy to watch. Uh, I want to I want to get another name out there before you can get your name out there for him. You mentioned him earlier, Davion Mitchell, right? Knew defensively he was going to be good. We just knew that because summer league, preseason, we had the, the – I know it was small sample size, but we had that to go off of. And we had enough reason to think, hey, this could be sustainable. When we get into the season, same thing. Abusing Donovan Mitchell in that Jazz game. And then last night against the Warriors, he goes, you know what? I'm more than just a defensive player. He puts up 22 points, right? Imagine Davion Mitchell can be a 16-point-per-game scorer with that level of defense. That would be unheard of because I don't – people weren't realizing it yet because he's in Sacramento and he, they don't have any nationally televised games yet. Once they get the – once once the mass people get to watch Davion Mitchell play defense, they're going to realize very fast. They're going to be like, oh, my God. You know how last week we talked about our word predictions? We said guards don't win defensive player of the year. If he keeps up that level of intensity on defense, I'm giving him a vote. Like, he is that good defensively. Like You got a vote and I don't? Yeah, they gave it to one person on Dyer's podcast that I'm the one who came up with it. Nah, but but seriously, he's been lights out defensively. You know what? Off night. And people are going to say, yeah, but Steph Curry had 27. Yeah, well, guess what? That's below his average. That's an off night. Davion Mitchell wins. The over-under for Steph's points, according to Vegas, was 32 and a half. So Davion did do a good job. Of off it. night. Uh, Steph they mentioned him. Like- Donovan Mitchell mentioned him. He's gotten a lot of praise around the league. And I am excited to see what, what his ceiling can be. Going back real quick, I want to go back to Evan Mobley, Caleb. Where do you see as a ceiling? If you gave me, just give me a quick player comparison. I know we saw a lot of Anthony Davises. I thought that was a little bit excessive, at least to me. Um, but where, where do you see his ceiling? I don't I don't see Anthony Davis, only because I don't see his body reaching Anthony Davis. Because Anthony Davis has a bigger frame, right? Like he's not like a tall, lanky guy who gets pushed around. He's, he's a bigger frame, bulkier guy. I don't know if Evan can reach that. I don't know if he can reach that. Because that's a lot of hard work, and we just had this conversation earlier about hard work and talent and everything. He has a talent, but I don't know if I don't know if you can add that mass. It may, I mean, it might take time, but I don't think he can reach that level. Think, okay, this is gonna make you upset. Think what Marvin Bagley was supposed to be with added defense. He gets up and walks off. Listen, Mobley's really good, and you know. Think James Wiseman, what James Wiseman was supposed to be. It's too, a little bit too early to punt on James Wiseman, but I like Evan Mobley, and but I don't like the team that Cleveland has put around Evan Mobley. 
I you don't like that he's starting around their young guys. Look what they put around Colin Sexton. Yeah, well, dude, this is bad because he started. He started at small forward the other night with Laurie Markinen and Jared Allen playing. You can't do that. That's setting him up for failure. But he's still putting up numbers. But yeah, got to figure out something else because that's not a correct way to use him. But statistically speaking, looks very nice. Another player that I think looks very nice right now is Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes has actually impressed me. I wasn't very high on him coming out of the draft. I'll be honest. I liked him. I didn't really like him as a top five pick. I liked him more of outside in that seven, eight, nine range, kind of where um, you had teams like the Kings, for example. I liked him in that range, but I did not expect him to jump up as high as he did. And I didn't expect him to play as well as he has. Scotty Barnes has played out of his mind. He's averaged 18 points a game uh, on 52% shooting, 10 rebounds and an assist and a half. So that is exciting if we're Toronto Raptors fans. I remember a lot of people were shocked. And I'm not even exaggerating when I say shocked. I was at a Kings draft party at the arena and people were gasping when you heard Scotty Barnes go to the Raptors and Jalen Suggs go to the Magic. I think a lot of people expected Jalen Suggs to go earlier. Didn't happen. Toronto fans were upset, but turns out Scotty Barnes is looking like he could be that real deal type of guy. Do you have a ceiling for him? Do you have a player no. for him? No, because a lot of people pre-draft were saying Draymond. And Absolutely. he looks like he... Yeah, he looks like he's a lot more skilled offensively than Draymond is. Um, you know, that's not even a fair comparison. That's like comparing Marcus Smart's defense to, like, I don't know, J.J. Barea playing defense. Like, it's not even close. Um, yeah, Scotty's Scotty's kind of, and I don't want to say unicorn, but he's different. You don't really see you – you know what I mean? Like, a guy doesn't just pop in your head like, oh, yeah, he can be this guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people wanted Jalen Suggs to go there, and – you know, Suggs is going to take some time, I think, because he doesn't look too hot in Orlando. But we know that for rookie guards, it takes a little bit. But I'm starting to get a little bit worried about Suggs because I kind of thought he was more pro-ready than what he's shown so far. Me too. I, I've been a little bit concerned about what's going on with Jalen Suggs. I liked a lot what I saw in Summer League from him, especially early on before he got hurt. He was looking good. He was finishing games. He was kind of taking over that – role of being that guy um even compared to a guy like Cole Anthony I, I saw him doing more than than RJ and Cole Anthony so I am a little bit disappointed speaking of a Jalen though one Jalen that kind of started off slow but played really well is Jalen Green he had a yeah. franchise rookie record of eight threes in his last game finished with 32 and he's the first rookie in Rockets history to finish with 30 plus points and eight threes in a game so I know that's kind of like a pointless stat but it is interesting to see Jalen Green is starting off well. A lot of us saw him being a good scorer. I saw him as being – it's hard to find a player comp for him, I would say. But I did see him as being one of those guys that can easily turn into one of the best scorers in the league, and I think you're seeing that already. Yeah, of course, he had to do that against the Celtics. Guy was shooting like toilet water the first two games, and he goes out against the Celtics, eight threes. I'm like, seriously? Really? Maybe if you guys yeah, guard looks him. good. He looks good. He, I mean, but a lot of the threes, they weren't even like he was open. Like he was just like, I don't care who's on me. I'm just rising up and firing, and he was knocking them down. When a player gets that hot, it's rare to see rookies get that hot and that confident, though, in the third game of their career. I'm going to ask you a question. Nice, 
he has had some nice athletic moments too. I'm going to ask you a question. In his peak, do you think he can be the best scorer in the NBA? 100%. I, I have him as, I believe his ceiling, and I think he will reach his ceiling. This is a guy that's going to be the best scorer in the league. This is a guy that's going to be an MVP candidate. This is a guy that's going to be the guy. Now, the only issues I have with him, the red flags that come up with him, is he really a team guy? That's that's kind of where I, I, I feel like, is Jalen Green really going to be that guy that can be a leader? You know, you see a lot of these guys that are championship players, and they are leaders of their team. Jalen Green doesn't give off that vibe. And I know he's young, but I do see some red flags in his game. He, yeah. he wants – also another red flag, if he's not involved, he's not getting touches, he's disengaged. And – very similar to the guy they had in Houston last year in four or five years ago, James Harden, a guy that needs to be involved, needs to have the ball in his hands, needs to score the ball to really get going. Now they're not the same player by any means, but what I mean by is more of mentality wise. I am excited though. I think Jalen Green has a lot of potential and and I don't know really where his ceiling is because you said he could be the best scorer in the league, but is that really it? Can he be the number one guy on a championship team? This is the Ben Simmons question. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's too early to give a definitive answer on that. It's too early for me. Um, but, you know, he has a good rookie teammate, right? We like what we've seen from Alperin Sengun. We like him. But I have questions about what his ceiling can really be. You know what I mean? But he, here's the thing. The way the NBA is going, centers with mass that are low post options, they aren't very common. My only concern is, defensively, can he be impactful enough to avoid becoming Ennis Canner in his prime? Because young Ennis Canner, people are like, man, his footwork's elite, like great post player, massive, like he gets rebounds. My only thing is, can Sangoon become a better defensive player than that so he doesn't find himself in a situation where he's a rotational guy in his prime on a fringe playoff team like the Celtics? So you know what I mean? Like, can he do enough to avoid becoming that defensively? Last night looked amazing, but defensively, Showed some showed some red flags, and that's my only concern because everything else I love about Sangoon, but he got to focus on that defense. I noticed that in summer league too. The one thing that I would say from seeing him in person, he doesn't really have that lateral quickness. I would say, but he knows how to recover. Like he'll get some nice blocks. He has good timing. He has a good feel for the game. And I'll say a lot of today's NBA is just having a feel for the game. I, I think he has a lot better of a field than Ennis Cantor. Potential has a, is a lot higher yeah. because he has so much more in his game and his tool bag. But at the end of the day, you're right. If that defense doesn't improve, that low post scoring offensive big man is that is a dying breed. We saw it with Dwight Howard. Look at Dwight Howard now. Where is he today? Talking about a guy that was an MVP candidate. And perfect example, dude doesn't make the top 75 of all time which was ridiculous because we'll get into that but he doesn't make that list and it's like why because the game has changed so Dwight's not the same player he was and I know a lot of that comes with Dwight's injuries too but the game has changed let's be fair get we we can't sit here and act like Dwight doesn't get hurt and he still makes the same impact of a player he once was because he never would the game changed so that is that, that, that's that's a wrap for our rookie roundup. Uh, that we brought up some good rookies. We'll revisit this about once every month. We try to talk about our rookies because I know a lot of you guys are interested in 
who the good rookies are and, and how they're playing. We'll have some surprise rookies in there that they not everybody's talking about. We won't be talking about Jalen Green and yeah. you know the Evan Mobleys every week. But we will, we will talk about every week, Caleb, is our Celtics crew. Let's go to our Celtics crew. Start it off with us. What's going on in, in Boston right now? Injuries, as per usual. Uh, we've had one game with everybody healthy, and we got dismantled by the Raptors. And, of course, that's the one game I did not watch because I had something else to do. So No, again, we don't say that. We watch every game. Uh, no, I'm being honest. I'm not going to lie to our viewers, our loyal listeners, a.k.a. our two loyal listeners. But, um, hey, first game against the Knicks, I, to- I called Amir, but fourth quarter I called you, and we, were- we talked the rest of the game. Um, I refused to buy too much into that game only because I didn't want to get too high emotionally or too low. So you can ask Amir. I was very calm on the phone watching that game. He was. I, and I told Amir, I, said, you know, I was more nervous than he yeah. was. And I told Amir after the game, I said, you know, it sucks because I think that that might be our best our best game all year. Win or lose, like the way that game was going, there was a lot of fun stuff to see, like Jalen going off for 46, career high. Wanted to see him get 50. He missed that dunk. Damn it. Grant Williams hitting nice corner clutch. Yeah. Grant was looking good. Grant, Evan Fournier revenge game. Can we talk about shut that? up. Now, Evan, you know, it's funny. I really liked Evan whenever he was in Boston, but for what he signed with New York, I was perfectly comfortable just letting him go for it. It's a lot of money. Um, yeah, it was a little bit too much, but New York had the money and went for it. Uh, Kemba Walker, I told Amir this. I love Kemba Walker still. Um, weirdly. Yeah, weirdly, but nice to see him doing decent there. He's only averaging like 10.5 points per game. It's not – I don't think we'll ever see Charlotte Kemba again, which sucks, but – Next game was fun. Rivalry game I didn't watch. Last night versus Houston was fun because I got to see Jalen Green. Um, you know, Rob Robert Williams was a bright spot all, all week, first week. Um, Al Horford looks comfortable. He doesn't – he looks rejuvenated. You know, a lot of that could do with Oklahoma City being like, we're just getting a bench, yeah. So he got like a full like eight months to just rest yeah. his body. And that's big for a guy – he's 34. Like he's old. That's that's actually why I wasn't so high on Al Horford because I was yeah. like, when a guy misses an entire year at that age, it's tough to come back and play at that level. And, and you yeah. were high on him from the beginning. I got to give you credit. You were the guy that was saying you think Al Horford still has that ability to be that guy. I just didn't think it was there with him missing so much time. Yeah. Only reason I say that is because he just, his game just feels like it ages well. You know what I mean? He just feels yeah. like it's that old man game that kind of aged decently, and it has. I mean. What shocks me is he was getting out and running last night against Houston, like running the court. And I, and it was when Sangoon was out there, and he was out running Alper and Sangoon up and down the court. And I was like, damn, like, that's kind of bad sign. That's the red flags I was talking about him. But all in all, I think it was good. Um, a lot of Celtics fans are mad at MA's rotations. But I'm going to go ahead and bring up the fact that we haven't had a consistent roster yet for him. Every single game we've had new guys. We've had a different starting five for – three games out of our first four hard to kind of build up something and you know ma's got to take time but like i told you with coaches you can't jump to a conclusion right away like i mess around with the mirror and text him after the first game i was like ma sucks <laughs> but it's like you gotta wait like 40 50 games before you can give like a solid formulated opinion on how good a coach is or not because you can't just throw out five game sample sizes and be like he's asked because if i want to pick a five game sample size out of luke walton's coaching tenure i could pick their five game win streak last year and say hey mayor check this out they won five games so you you have to see realistically speaking i'd like to see a full season before i go out and say if he's good or bad but i know people are too reactionary to wait that long they want results now 
and they want to see impact right away. And that's not going to happen. It's not realistic. But all in all, Celtics first week, I'll give them a solid B grade. I like that grade. I do want to go back to the email Yudoka point you brought up. A lot of Celtics fans I've noticed on one, our Celtics group chat that we are both in, and two, just from the Celtics fans that I follow and Celtics Twitter that I follow, a lot of overreactions about email Yudoka. And I yeah. get it. NBA Twitter overreacts a lot. We'll get into those Kings overreactions. We've seen our Lakers overreactions. People mm-hmm. are, are, are kind of going all over the place with, with everything that's going on, right? Yeah. Um, but I will say the whole email Yudoka thing needs to stop, man. Like people are just too much getting on him over a few games, which let's be honest, you guys are what? A, a, a one basket away from being two and one right now. Like we're not talking about a team that's 0 and three that has not looked good and has gotten blown out. We're talking about a team that's one and two. Um, and, and you guys have, have kind of tried to figure out the reins of, of what type of coach Udoka is. Now, the only thing I will say about Ime is he's going to need a lot of time to figure out what the, the core should look like. You guys have a different group. You guys brought in Dennis Schroeder, um, and, and you guys brought in Al Horford. You bring in different guys, and you're talking about a team that doesn't have the chemistry that they used to have. So when you have different guys on the team, and, and like Ime said, he said, I averaged eight points per game in my career. Jason Tatum averages, what, 25 points per game? He's still trying to figure out how to handle a star player, how to handle two star players that are not only established – but at the same time, they're still young in the league, you know? So you got to give that yeah. time. Got to figure that out. I would say to hold on. on that. I will say he did one thing that made me mad. It's one thing. And if I have one thing to complain about, that's fine. He is very big on the players not talking back to the refs. I'm fine with that. I'm more than fine with that. I think that goes on a little bit too much. But here's the issue. When Jason gets obviously hacked, this was against the Raptors. I watched the highlight of it. Mm-hmm. He gets obviously hacked, like in up here by the elbow. So it's not even like he, the refs could have barely missed it. It was a bad miss call. Tatum then turns and yells at the refs, right? Doesn't get back on defense. Toronto score on a fast break. MA pulls him out. Now, it was about time for Tatum to get a break, anyways. He was already out there for like eight and a half minutes straight. He pulls him out and benches him the rest of the half. I don't like that only because I feel like there's a big difference between Jason Tatum complaining to the refs and a guy like Grant Williams or Ernest Kander complaining to the refs. Like there's a big difference between like, okay, this is your star. You got to let your star kind of stand up for himself whenever he thinks the ref missed something. I'm big on letting those guys make, make complaints and stuff. I think Jalen and Jason should have that right. They've earned it. I don't, but I think there's a big difference when a bench guy does it. I think your star player should be able to go out there and say, Hey, you missed a call on me. You know what I mean? I see your point, but I disagree in the fact that it- I just don't think you should bench Jason ever for no reason. Like you should not bench your stars if that's the case. Call a timeout, talk to him. Don't bench them. I disagree because Ime Yudoka comes from the Greg Popovich tree, and Pop does not care who he benches. He doesn't care if it's Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, Kawhi Leonard. He'll bench you. And now I get it. There's different ways to coach everybody, right? And and I'm not saying Pop coached. Manu Ginobili the same way he coached Tim Duncan because no there were times where he would go in on Tony Parker and just scream at him and he would never yell at Tim Duncan not because Tim Duncan had this special start treatment but because he understood 
that Tim Duncan is not a guy you can yell at. There's no, that's not the way he likes to be coached. That's not a way that's coachable. So one thing I will say is give Ime time. He's figuring it out. But at the same time, I like it. He's benching his star player. He's telling his whole team, if you don't get back on defense, you're sitting your ass next to me. And, and as a coach myself, and I know I'm not at the NBA level, so I'm not even trying to compare that, but I look at it as he's trying to set the tone for the entire team. It's an all for one, one for all. It's not a, you're the superstar. So you get to do whatever you want. You know what I mean? It's more of like a, you can literally go and, and, and say, Hey, you know what? You need to stop doing this. You need to cut this down. Cause I get it. You're getting hacked. Let me do the talking. And a lot of those coaches. I'd agree agree with that. If he started talking, cause he did. You're right. And that's what I was going to say. A lot of the coaches don't do it. De'Aaron Fox gets hacked game after game. Last night, got hacked ridiculously all game. Luke Wallen has yet to stand up for him. He does it occasionally. But what I also noticed is I don't think that works anymore. When these players stand up for it, when these coaches stand up, I don't think the refs care anymore. And I think it's at the point where you just got to build that reputation. We got to legalize it. We got to legalize coaches and refs fighting after the game if they think that somebody missed a call egregiously. We got to normalize it. Well, this is not hockey, unfortunately, Caleb. I want to see fights, darn it. I want to see men out there saying, you know what? You missed a call. Here's an, here's an uppercut right to your jaw. I want to see fights out there, Amir. I want to see people with heart going out there and standing up for what they believe in. Well, I don't. So it sucks to be good. <laughs> One thing and last thing I wanted to ask you, and I think this is probably the biggest question when it comes to Celtics. Why is it that it's so rare? And, and maybe I'm wrong on this. And you tell me I'm an outsider. Why is it that's so rare that Jalen and Jason have great games at the same time? Like, why can't we get them? I, I can't answer that for you. I'm just a normal redhead from Southwest Pennsylvania. It honestly feels like, but I, I get what you're saying. Because honestly, I think they have three games where they scored 30 plus at the same time, which I get 30 plus is like a high number to score at the same time. But it definitely feels like they take turns flip-flopping on who has big games. Like they don't do it consistently together. And I think does that does that come down to the redundancy of them? Because I brought this up with the Celtics group chat the other day. Are they redundant? A lot of people said they were redundant, and everybody's like, no, there's no way two superstar wings are redundant. But here's the thing. You you mentioned it with new guys coming in and out of that roster, right? The, you got to look at the constants at a certain point whenever you're like, okay, they're capping out at the conference finals, and then they're shitting the bed in the conference finals, right? <laughs> they did it with, like, two separate rosters. You have to then look at yourself and say, okay, what are the constants here? Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Those are the constants. You got to look at that and say, hey, what's wrong here at the core that's not being able to reach that next level? And if I had to say, I would say it's more Marcus Smart than those two. But there is some redundancy, I think, between Jalen and Jason now that they're kind of not holding themselves back, but they're not pushing themselves to the next level. You know what I mean? Like, I'm too young personally to remember it. To, to think of how it all went down. But I know that Antoine Walker and Paul Pierce were kind of the same thing. Two young stars. Antoine Walker put up 24 points per game. Pierce put up 23. They looked like they were going to take that next level, and they never did. And then they had to ship out Antoine Walker to Dallas. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that they, that they got to do it with these guys, but could it be history repeating itself? Two guys that are kind of not holding themselves back, but they're not able to take that next leap to, like, true finals contenders? Like, you have to start thinking that eventually, right? Like, you got to start thinking, like, hey, something's holding them back from being able to take that next step. And we'll see if that's really the case or if they end up figuring it out 
this year is going to be a big year, I think, for the Jays and for the Celtics in general. So I am excited to talk a lot of Celtics this year. I think this will be a lot more fun than last year, especially with you guys having a little bit better of a roster. Now, I disagree with you on, on you thinking that their depth is marginally better. I think it's a little bit better. I don't think it's that much better. I think it's clearly better than last year, like significantly better. And, and we'll see, man. And we'll see who's – it's not really about who's right or wrong, but we'll see if that is the case because a lot of that's going to depend on if the Celtics are deep enough because we saw a perfect example of what we just talked about. When Jalen and Jason are not playing elite, one of them is playing bad. We saw Celtics Twitter, and Celtics Twitter goes crazy, and I know it. It's King Twitter does all the time after one game. Jalen played one good game, and everyone's like, yeah – this is our new franchise player. I'm like, okay, let's relax. And I know a lot of that is tongue in cheek, but still, you know what I mean when I when you mm-hmm. see those things of people being like, maybe it is Jalen. You start hearing those whispers. And then next game, Jalen has what? Six points through like three and a half quarters. And it's like, he's not playing that same way. So we'll have to see. Like you said, I think a lot of that is we'll have to see with that depth because when they're both not playing elite, and even if they both are, they have 30 and 30s. That's only 60 points. You got game. Last night was great, though. Last night was great, though, because Tatum got his 31. Schroeder put up 18. Grant Williams put up 18. Al Horford put up 16. Like, it was nice to see yeah. scoring that was kind of spread out. Like, and we didn't even have Marcus Smart have one of his random-ass, like, hot-shooting games. Like, it was – you know what I mean? Like, we survived that. And those type of games, I think, are better than seeing blowouts where Jason has 50. As fun as it is to see him get 50, I'd much rather see scoring spread out across five, six guys versus one guy putting up a ton and then barely winning. I'd rather see it like that. It's funny you bring that up because a lot of what I see in Tatum, and I'm not saying they're they're in the same situation or the same player, but it's a lot of what I've been seeing uh, in the Kings and in De'Aaron Fox. And we'll go to our Kings corner with that note. Caleb, man, the, the way the King season has started, there's a lot of good, there's a lot of bad. And, and we'll start off with the good. One of the good signs we mentioned, Davion Mitchell. Davion Mitchell has played like one of the better rookies. He has shown why Monty McNair has yet again been able to draft so well and find those gems in the draft. I'm impressed in all aspects of the game. We saw in the first two games, Davion Mitchell locking up Donovan. Then the next game, and Jordan Clarkson, can't forget that. Then he was locking up Dame as well and guarding CJ at points of the game. That's, what, a top three backcourt in the league? And again, Davion Mitchell playing crucial fourth quarter minutes during the close game. That's huge. A lot of rookies don't get that time. We saw that from, for example, like a guy like Chris Duarte, who is an older rookie. You don't see that a lot from rookies, though. So definitely exciting. Uh, I want to go to my good friend, Drew, who said, and quote on Twitter, local guy said, about 71% of the Earth's surface is covered by water. The rest is covered by Davion Mitchell. Love that stat. It's a great stat. If you guys ever want stats, our statistician, his name is Drew. I love what I see from Davion Mitchell. Another good stat, he's actually holding opponents to 31% shooting from the field, which is 11% lower than their average. That's the eighth best mark in the entire NBA. So, Again, you mentioned it earlier. If Davion Mitchell keeps us up, this might be a guy that actually steals that award. Not this year, but maybe down the line for a guard that actually win Defensive Player of the Year. Davion mm-hmm. Mitchell has been exciting. Harrison Barnes, like you mentioned earlier, having a great start to his year. Uh, 
And now let's go to some guys that maybe haven't had a great start. I want to start off before I get into the second. I want to start off with Tyrese Halliburton, Caleb. Tyrese Halliburton, great, great rookie year. Actually, our most popular video on the Dimers podcast page is us predicting that Tyrese would be the steal of the draft. Tyrese ended up having a great year, ended up being a runner-up for rookie of the year, right next to LaMelo Ball and Anthony Edwards. Now, you're talking about two guys, LaMelo Ball and Anthony Edwards. LaMelo's 3-0, and Ant is 2-1, and and they've played great, great basketball to start off the year. What is going on with Tyrese Halliburton? He hasn't looked like that same player. Kind of looks like he's maybe taken a step back. Uh, we saw a little bit of it during preseason, but now he's not looking like that same guy. Caleb, do you think it's just early on? Where are you standing on, on what's going on with Tyrese? Is this a, is this a scheme thing or, or are we just looking at something where the sophomore slump is real? Might be more sophomore slump, but then again, he might just be one of those players that had a high ceiling come. I mean, a high floor coming out and like a low ceiling. You know what I mean? Like a guy who's just going to be an impactful guy all around, but not like takeover game type level, which is fine. If that's what he is, that's fine. That's still a good player, especially where you guys drafted him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you don't, people hear lottery picking like, oh, he has to be a star. Like, no, sometimes it's okay to take this safe pick and ride it out. I think that's what they did. I think he's good. Like, I think he'll be fine. I'm not even worried about it, even in the slightest, because I, I was big on him before the draft. Mm -hmm. I think he'll be fine. I agree with you. A lot of what my concerns with Tyrese consist with, I think, is just how the Kings are playing. And, and he's only really played good in one game so far this year. Now, another player that we're talking about has not played well. And I, I kind of wanted to dig into this when I was talking about John Moran is, is De'Aaron Fox. Now, if you're a Kings fan, if you've been on Kings Twitter, we all remember the whole De'Aaron versus Jaw argument last year. That didn't seem like it was an argument because De'Aaron was beating him in every category when they played head-to-head, -head, beat him head-to-head -head in general. And just overall, I believe, was the better player. Now, this year, Jaw has had a great start, and, and this conversation isn't really about John Morant. But it's just kind of put in perspective of where is De'Aaron Fox? Is he that guy? I'm having trouble, Caleb, and I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if De'Aaron Fox can be that superstar franchise player. I don't even know if he can be an all I think his, his ceiling might be a fringe all-star. And you can't, you can easily say, well, that's fine. But it's, let's be real, Caleb. But let's, let's, let's take off all the bias, take off the purple goggles. If we're being, Brutally honest, you paid the guy max money and he's still struggling to shoot. Shooting can't really be taught as far as like players don't just magically become good shooters. We talk about this all the time. If De'Aaron Fox doesn't become a good shooter, what is his ceiling? What, where, where can he really go? Where can he go with the Kings? Like, is, is he that guy that you can have win games for you? Because as of right now, it's not looking like it. No. Um, okay, let's say his ceiling is what you just said, right? Fringe All-Star. Problem with that is, like, that's your Kings – that's the Kings' number one player. You know what I mean? And for you guys to be able to reach that next level, you either need him to take a huge leap or you need about four other guys who are also Fringe All-Stars. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. think like the Atlanta Hawks. Remember that one random year the Atlanta Hawks were, like, unbelievable? Yeah. They had all those role players just take weird leaps and, like, being, like, very, very good 
kind of what would have to happen if he's your number one. And like I said, that's fine if you have that, but do the Kings have that? You know what I mean? Like Barnes looks good. Davion Mitchell's impactful. Tyrese is good, but we just mentioned him. Can they reach that level with Fox being a fringe all-star as a number one? Because you, well, you know he's not going to be a cha- – you know if he's your number one at that level, you're not winning a championship. You know what I mean? Like it's that simple. And do you – all right, I'll say this. I'll throw this at you. You get the draft right now. You could say I get to pick the Aaron Fox or I get to take a chance and take John Morant and have him here. Do you make that swap out? Yeah. I, to me, man, to me, I've been – I really hope Abe does not listen this long because he is going to freak when we mention what we're about to say. Yeah. And, I, man, this is, this is where I have trouble because I look at a guy like John Morant and when it comes to shooting, I would say they're probably equal. Maybe you could give Ja the slight, the slight upper hand because Ja's a better free throw shooter. But when it comes to the players, I think Ja is more athletically gifted. And, and I think he is more of the gifted player. It's not always based on stats-wise, but if you watch the game, if you see the way Ja finishes around the rim, I think it's just a different skill set. It's a different tool bag than what De'Aaron Fox has. And De'Aaron Fox, here's what he's lacking, that he had his rookie year that I was so high on. He no longer shoots mid-range. He no longer has a floater game. He just drives it inside going full force, or he's stepping back and settling for the three. And that's not his game. Like, that's not going to work in the NBA. Now, I will say, not to completely go in on De'Aaron, he has gotten hurt. He took a hard screen from Rudy Gobert. And that shoulder has been a problem for two years now. Does mm-hmm. that become a concern? Like, I get the shoulder's an excuse, but when does that become a concern? When yeah. do we start talking about De'Aaron Fox? Like, he might be – there might be a problem going on. Now, and we'll go back into De'Aaron. A lot of the Kings' issues – and they've played three games – beat Portland, lost to the Utah Jazz and the Warriors, probably the two best teams in the West. So we're not over here. I'm not saying that the Kings should have won or whatever you think that they should have done. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is they should have played a lot better than they did in that fourth quarter. They should have won those games. Right now, the Kings would be 3-0, and Caleb, easily if De'Aaron Fox played to where he was last year or to where he should be. And that's where I get – some concerns that's where I'm like is he really going to take that jump and I think that's where you start to look at it and and start being like do you start to raise red flags Caleb in your opinion again it's three games into the season our offense has not looked good in the fourth quarter over and under real quick do you take over and under 25 games that Luke is going to be here over over okay well I don't know, because you have Alvin Gentry right there. Like, it's not like you have to go far to look for a reliable interim head coach to step in. I'm changing my answer. I'm going to go under. I'm going under. I would probably say over just on the fact that I think by game 28 to 30, I think by 30 games in the season, Luke Wallen will be gone. Like, 100% by the 30th game of the season, he will be gone. 25 is still a little bit early, but I would go on the over. And, And then that goes to the next point. When do you start raising those red flags on De'Aaron Fox? I'm not saying we should right now. And I'm not saying that, you know, just off three games, John Moran is going to be the better player. And it's, it's, it's clear and cut, but 
you got to think about it. When did the red flag start to be raised with De'Aaron Fox? I don't know, man, because you brought up the shoulder injury. That's a two-year lingering shoulder injury that's like, like you said, it can be an excuse for now, but eventually at some point, further conversations are going to have to be brought up. Like, can he reach that next level because of that injury? Like, it sucks. Injuries suck. Everybody knows injuries suck. But can they? Can he reach that next level dealing with that shoulder injury? I don't know, man. I don't know. I, when would you press the panic button? Like, when would you say, okay, it's time to get a little bit concerned? I would say probably by the all-star break. I think by the all-star break, and I'm not saying this is when you trade deer and frog, but that's when conversations need to start to be had. Uh, where's Tyrese Halliburton? Where's Davion Mitchell? Where's deer and frog? We talk about a three guard lineup. I still think it's successful. I think it can work out. It all depends on where De'Aaron is. Tyrese is never going to be your superstar type scorer. De'Aaron has that ability. He has the capability to score like the Jason Tatums of the league. Can he do it on a consistent basis has always been the question. And if he can't by all-star break, I think you start to, I don't think you start to hit the panic button, but those red flags have to be raised. And then I think that's where at the point where you got to think about what's that next step. All right, Caleb, let's finish it off with our top 75 of all time list. We talked about this a little bit earlier last week. We tried not to talk too much about it because we didn't want to give out any spoilers and we didn't want to have a conversation outside of the podcast because we like to keep it strictly for the podcast. I know there's some obvious disappointments and some obvious snubs on that list. And I know this is wrong, but heck yeah, I don't care. We're not credentialed anyways. Tell me, Caleb, who on that list do you see on there that you're like, I don't think Damian Lillard. Okay. I I hate to take accolades away from people, but we might as well just have fun with this exercise. You hate to take accolades away from people. What accolades are you taking away from Damian Lillard? Rookie of the year? Like that's all he has. Like no offense. I'm not. Listen, I like Damian Lillard. He's one of my favorite players to watch. But a no shot. And but you know I'm more of the, I'm more of the guy who I like to look at the history of basketball. I have appreciation for the older guys. You know what I mean? Like the guys that yeah, we get it. You're white. Well, people see Dave DeBusher on there and go, "Why is he on there?" It's because he's one of the greatest post players of his generation. Okay. Dame, yeah, you could say he's one of the better point guards of his generation, but I don't know, man. I don't know. I just don't think I'd have Dame on there. And you're going to say, who would you put him in? Who would you put in there? Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard for Dame is like this simple swap. A lot of people are going to be up Tracy McGrady. Me and you brought this up earlier. Tracy McGrady is like fun guy to watch in his prime, right? Mm-hmm. But he's never won a playoff series. Like he's never made it out of the first round. He's he played the, now he played in the finals with the Spurs. Are we really going to count? Tracy McGrady at 30, what, 35? Completely he played washed? like what, five to ten? Like five seconds, five seconds of a game. Yeah. And, and you brought up Tracy McGrady. His old coach, Jeff Van Gundy, actually called him a lazy bones. He said himself, he said he, McGrady just never worked hard. His mom, uh, or not his mom, his girlfriend actually said at the time that Tracy McGrady used to spend all summer playing video games. This is a guy that didn't start playing basketball until he was 16 years well, old. Well, Video games are cool. We play Fortnite. Well, yeah, but you stop. But we're also not NBA players. I feel like whenever you reach a certain level and you get paid a certain amount of money, it's got to be like, all right, well, I got to put the video games down. 
No, you never have time to put the sticks down. But no, I like the Dwight Howard argument. I think that's obvious. You got a guy that can we just go over every single accolade he has? Multiple time defensive player of the year, been to the finals as the main player on a on an Orlando Magic team. When when was the last time you seen a center led team make it to the NBA finals? You know, you know what? And people are going to be like, yeah, but the Lakers won that series four to one. Those games were a lot closer than the And than we the talked about the uh, the tip-in that Courtney Lee missed that yeah. he could have won. Listen, there was about two games that the Magic lost that could have went their way on one innocent little play. That could have changed the course of that whole entire series. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't a blowout. Like, it wasn't a one-sided thing. And people see, oh, Lakers one and five must have been one-sided. Like, no, it was a close series. Well, I want to talk about you brought up a, a close series, right? And you brought up the fact that, well, people are going to say that they lost. Hey, they made it to the finals. Let's talk about a center or whatever. He doesn't want to claim to be a center, but a guy that made that list that didn't make it past the second round besides one time. Mm-hmm. And that's Anthony Davis. Where was Anthony Davis? Before I don't know how Anthony Davis made that, made that list. To be honest, like I'm being completely honest with you. People are like, yeah, but he just won a championship. Dwight was on that team too, doofuses. Like, Dwight has double the numbers, double the accolade, and the same amount of championships, but more finals appearances and more of a better individual record in the playoffs than Anthony Davis does. Stop. I don't know, man. I don't know. I just, and people are going to say, you're just jealous because Anthony Davis didn't want to be in the Celtics. No, I'm not. It is very blatantly obvious that Dwight Howard is like, has the better career, has the better accolades, like everything. Like, Maybe that's why they fought him here. Maybe, maybe Anthony Davis said, that's why I'm top 75 and you're not. And maybe Dwight was like, shut the heck up, meanie. And then they fought. Well, you know, I'm sure that conversation is going to go like that. Kyrie Irving, though, I'm surprised didn't make that list. I think you can easily stop game for Kyrie. We talk about Russ, Steph, Dame, all made the list. But yet somehow Kyrie doesn't make that list. When Kyrie hit the biggest shot, probably in NBA history. And again, Andre Iguodala said himself, oh, Kyrie didn't even make the top 75. He said, Psh, he should have made the top 20. Which is ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I wouldn't put him top 20. I wouldn't put him top 20. But that shows would you. Or, would you say Andre Iguodala saying he's top 20 is more egregious than him being left off the top 75? Because I feel like it is. I feel like I feel like Kyrie should have been top 75, but I feel like Saying he's top 20 is even worse than leaving him off the list. Yeah, I, I think top 20 is, is definitely egregious. But again, you're talking about a guy who just had 50, 40, 90 last year and nobody talked about it. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, because of his off-the-court stuff. And But I think that screenshot, apparently NBA made a video with Kyrie in the top 75, accidentally leaked it on their website under the Brooklyn Nets thing and had to take it down and somebody got a screenshot of it. And we're talking about Petty, the fact that James Harden and KD made that list and Kyrie didn't. Again, we're, we knew those two guys were going to make the list. But purposeful, like a, the NBA would clearly is not happy with Kyrie. So they're trying to piss him off. They're trying to upset him. Question. Thoughts on Clay Thompson being offended that he was lost off of it? Going to bring that up. That's actually a good one. I would probably say Clay is, he was disappointed. He said it, he, he said he woke up and he said he was still annoyed by that list. Um, and he's like, I guess winning just doesn't matter in the NBA. And I, and I agree with him. I, man, dude. If I had to say someone made that list over Clay, should have made that list over Clay, 
it would probably be Manny Ginobili. I don't know how Manny Ginobili doesn't make that list. I think Ginobili is a top 75 player of all time. We're talking about a guy that's, uh, and I know this is an NBA list, but you're talking about a guy that beat Team USA in the Olympics, like with, in Argentina, almost single-handedly, you know, with guys like who's Luis Scola. And you're talking about a guy who was the most elite six man that could have been a starter on any team in the NBA. Um, I, I like, I do like Clay on there. I, I think he's right. I think he should be on that list. I see his argument for it. But also at the same time, I look at guys like Ginobili. I look at guys like even a Tony Parker. And I feel like that San Antonio, we take for granted. You know what I mean? Like the San Antonio yeah. old image is, oh, well, they had blah, 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 and this, this, this. And it's like, they were one of the dynasties in the NBA that made it to the playoffs and were really good every year. Mm-hmm. Do you have anyone on your list that's that's similar to a Ginobili type of guy that you thought was, was snubbed? Did Tony Parker get it? I don't think Tony yeah. Parker got it. Tony Parker didn't make it either. That's kind of shocking to me that him, Ginobili, and Duncan were in that many finals together as a big three, and two of them are left off? Like, you mean to tell me, Tim, like, I yeah, love Tim Duncan. You tell me right? Tim Duncan was the yeah. NLB Was the only guy doing anything there? I love Tim Duncan. Don't get me wrong. Like, he's one of my favorite players. But you can't really say, oh, yeah, he makes it easy, and then say, oh, yeah, his two supporter, supporting cast members, they, they don't make it. That doesn't seem right to me. Um, yeah, I'd say Tony Parker, Ginobili are two like the biggest one. I say if I had to start, a, hmm, if I had to pick five that missed, I'd probably go Tony Parker, Ginobili, Dwight, and Clay. Who I don't know who that fifth person would be. Probably Kyrie. I'd probably put Kyrie in that yeah. five. Yeah, I, that'd be my that'd be my five. That are like, oh my god, how'd they get left off? I'm probably with you on that five. I don't know who you would take off that list. It sucks to have to take away something from somebody else to give you know credit to somebody but at the end of the day i'm i'm pretty much content with that list i like the list i think a lot of people are always going to be upset with lists you never know like people are always going to be upset with oh this person got stunned or this person shouldn't have made carmelo anthony a lot of people said he shouldn't have made it what are your thoughts on that do you think carmelo should have made that list I am perfectly fine with Carmelo being on that list. He just moved into ninth all the time. You cannot have a top 10 scorer in the NBA history and then say, nah, he shouldn't be top 75. Like, listen to yourself, you idiot, you numb nuts. Are you serious? Whoa. What about Carl Malone? Sorry. You made that list? Carl Malone should be in jail. Yeah, well, I agree. I think we both agree on that. We'll, we'll end it off on that note. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. Fun week. We actually had a lot of good stuff to talk about this week. It was yeah. exciting. I'm excited to see what we have next week. It's not going to be as... Uh, flashy as, as this week was but we'll, we'll have some things in store anyways thanks for tuning in we had a fun week caleb you got any last thoughts you want to leave him with no okay well he hates you guys see you guys next week peace all right all right welcome to the post show caleb let's get right into it halloween plans ready go halloween plans uh stay inside That's how are you no, my freaking cousin's not having the haunted Halloween child that she normally has because her wedding is in January. I what said, what the hell? That's what I said. I said, what the hell does that have to do with it? You didn't plan your wedding. You hired, a, you hired a wedding planner. You have nothing to worry about. All you have to do is just enjoy life and wait. The girl I want to marry is a wedding planner. I didn't know your girlfriend was a wedding planner. No, that's, that's a Drake one. Oh, uh, Dre, yeah, sorry. I'm a man. I don't listen to him. Um, what are your Halloween plans? Well, 
it's one of two things. One, I'm gonna try to see if I can go to Haunted House. The Haunted House that I usually go to is actually closed right now. They're trying to open up. They've been trying to open up for like weeks now, but they keep, for whatever reason, on COVID or whatever the issue is, they haven't been able to. That's option A. And then option B is watching the new Michael Myers movie, the new Halloween. Yeah, I have to see that. My friends want to go see it with me. And then every single time I throw out a day, they're like, well, I'm busy that day. I'm like, well, then I'm busy too. Like, I'm not. Caleb, give me your candy tier list. What do you have as your S tier? What is your top of the line candy? You won't get into all of the candy. Can I get my top three? Go ahead. Twix, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, and Gummy Krabby Patty. What the hell? I've had the yours? What do you mean? What the hell? Why'd you react like that? Those are pretty solid candy. Most random things. Mine's are very basic, that's why. I'm literally Sour Patch Kids, M&M's, Kit Kats. I'm not a big M&M guy, man. I don't like M&M's. Like, no, like, because I, I always think of M&M's and Skittles as like in the same group for some reason. And I'm always like, if I have the option of taking one, I'm going for Skittles. Man. Oh, you're, you're a sick human being. You're no. actually a sick human being. No. I, the only Skittles that I will have that I used to actually... Tropical? Tropical Skittles? Oh, tropical Skittles are the best one. There. Sour Skittles. Oh, Sour Skittles? Oh, man. Dude, no way. Nah, Sour Skittles are like bottom tier candy. It's not good. You Okay, you need to get your taste buds. And then again, I'm not surprised your taste buds are messed up. You really don't like Sour Skittles? No. Okay, give me no. your worst, worst candy. Like, like, for example, someone puts it in your bag and you literally want to spit in their face type of thing. Oh, no. Werther's original. This freaking caramel freaking thing that grandmas have. Somebody puts that in my bag. I take it back out and I just hand it to them and say, no, thanks, I'm good. And then I just walk away. Because that is the most disgusting candy I've ever seen in my life. Who wants that? Who chooses to eat that? Yeah, the, the whole people candy? Yeah. <laughs> I was watching Halloween Town uh, the other night, and then the grandma bought it. She got like hella of the food and asked him, like, what the hell is wrong with you, grandma? Like, who the hell eats that? That's that's my thing. I don't understand anybody that doesn't like Are you yell at your grandma for a candy choice? No, not my grandma. I was yelling at the Halloween Town. Have you even seen Halloween Town? <laughs> no, I haven't. You I'm have 24, a- bro. I'm 24. Okay. It's a freaking kids' movie. It's on Disneyland. Oh my god. You kids are crying to watch a kids' movie nowadays? Yeah, you just walked up. You t- I'm gonna look at the time you texted me that up with such a sad movie. Because now I'm curious. Okay, what's- Okay, please tell me what's wrong with that. No. Oh, Caleb, we're not doing this. Give me it right now. No, 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 no. We're even talking about this. Did you text me at 12 yeah, in the what, morning? Yeah, I was at a crime. And I quote, man, Up is such a freaking good movie. The beginning is always so sad. And then at 12.48, eight minutes later, you text, dude, how is this a kid move? Yeah. So at midnight, at midnight, on a Sunday night, you said, you know what? I'm going to watch out. You yeah. sat there and you said, I'm going to watch out. Now we're doing a poll. Yes or no? Have you and would you watch up? Well, or is there a problem with that? Like, I don't understand. It's a crime all of a sudden to watch a good movie. The kids movie. Oh, okay. Sorry, we don't all want to watch movies of killers and Unibomb. You're obsessed with serial killers. You watch that. You watch it. Because me and Drew told you to. Privately. You, 
Caleb texts the driver and says, Hey, go watch this movie on Ted Bundy. Why, huh? Ted Bundy's a good well, he's not a good guy. He's a, he's a good it's a good oh. movie. Ted Bunny or Michael Myers, who are you taking on your team? He's like superhuman strength. Ted Bundy was just a handsome guy. This isn't High School Musical. I'm not trying to watch a serial killer version of High School Musical. All right, last one, Caleb. Uh, I know you made fun of me for a Halloween time. Give me your favorite Halloween movie. Jeepers Creepers. Jeepers Creepers. Hands down, Jeepers Creepers. No, you're not getting up. Jeepers Creepers is good. No, I don't watch that movie. I've never seen it. Yeah, because you're busy watching up because you watch Disney movies because you're scared. You're not man enough to handle horror movies. You probably scream like a girl whenever they don't want to go, ah, burn! Wow, wow, all right, there you go. Ladies, th- this is this is your co-host right here. This is this is who you guys listen to every week. This is 76% of our demographic that you're talking about, Caleb. Apologize, now. What's your favorite, What's your favorite horror movie? Tell me right now. Uh, I would say probably when I was younger, it probably parent was absolutely terrified watching that in the movie. Because I've never seen a movie. Yeah, I rock with that Are you ready to admit that Pennywise is better than Michael Myers? We we debated this last week. Can you please, please? Can we talk about, here, here's a question for you. Who's the dumbest super villain of any sort of horror movie? What's like the dumbest one you can name? Uh, Chucky. The hell, he's a doll. Yes! Yes! Finally, we agree. Chucky's like the dumbest one. Dude, the three-foot doll comes up to me with a knife. I'm roundhouse kicking it in the jaw so hard that this thing's head spins around like something from the exorcist. And then I'm stomping its head out so fast and so ferociously that it can't even feel the pain of what I've just done to it. If a doll came up to me with a knife ready to stab me, I seriously, I karate chop the knife out of his hand. I take his head, snap it off. It's a doll. If a doll is causing this much havoc, you don't think everybody in the city's like, we're gonna find this freaking doll and we're gonna rip it to shreds. I wouldn't burn it. Yeah, that's too easy. I'd take a knife and slice and just cut off piece by piece, inch by inch, every single inch of this stupid little doll to the point where it can no longer even think about killing somebody. It would be incapable of even walking. You'd have to put it in a, in a wheelchair, a little wheelchair called a little Stephen Hawking of a little freaking doll. I, I hate Chucky, bro. Wow. I'm done okay. with the pod. Looks okay. like you made a whole entire plan on how you kill Chucky. This is clearly not the first time Caleb's thought of this week, bro. Caleb, that's it. I will wrap it up. But I, I wanted to ask you one last question. If you could fight, and this can't be a doll, it has to be a human form. If you could fight one person, let's say, okay, they're, 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 this is how it goes. On the top, you have Michael Myers, and you have Freddy Cooper, right? And then on the bottom, you have Pennywise, who, yeah. He's- I'm fighting Freddy Krueger, easily. Because again, here's what it comes down to. Oh, he comes to you whenever you fall asleep in your dream? I don't sleep, Freddy. I stay up all night playing Fortnite with my friends getting clipped. You think I'm gonna fall asleep for another man to come into my dreams? Hell no, I'm not candy. You gotta get out of your mind. Bye.